Hi, Katie. Welcome, everyone, to Have You Ever Heard Of, a history podcast. Where we talk about people from history you may or may not have heard of. They know the deal by now. Maybe yeah. we should stop saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. New people like to know, maybe. They're like, well, I've ended up here. What? We need to have like some kind of intro. You can't just start. Yeah. That's just, can't just start. unseemly. Just be like, have you ever heard of? And everyone's <laughs> like, what? Um, yeah, we've got 800 listens. Really? Very yeah. Nice. So when we hit those a thousand, we'll have to have some sort of celebration. We're rounding on the thousand. Yeah. So thanks everyone. Two hundred or more. If someone could just sit there and listen to like our thirty-one episodes, like over and over again, <laughs> to get those two hundred, that would be awesome. Um, what you been up to? What have I been up to? I went to Borough Market. Oh, nice! For a lovely food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just not much excitement in life, is there anymore? It's just that I Bar can't. Market I can't even pretend exciting. to make that exciting. No, it was. It is very exciting. <laughs> um, there's this one place in Borough Market. Do you know? You know the the raw wedding. If you were a couple and you were called Will and Kate, you could get like free like champagne and cheese or something. Okay. And obviously, so, my name is Kate. Like, <laughs> I'm Catherine, but, you know, my family call me Kate. Kate is fine. I could not find a William to come with me <laughs> to save my life. Like, I know Will's now, but then I was like, I cannot find me a William to pretend I... to be my lover-lover man. <laughs> I don't think I know any Williams. No. My, un- my uncle was called William, Bill, but he's dead, so... <laughs> Who was called William. <laughs> no. But Bob's my uncle. He's literally my uncle. That's my uncle's name. <laughs> Bob's my uncle. Very Good fun. Good times. Mm-hmm. Um, today I got... Uh, I was at work today in, in the actual um, library where I work. And um, there, uh, one of my jobs is opening all the mail. And there was mail for me. Like, not, it's not usually addressed to me. It's usually addressed to the librarian or the library. Mm-hmm. But there was, like, a package, like, bigger than A4 package for me. And I was like, what is this? And I opened it, and it was a box of chocolates. And one of the people I'd helped, like, one of the jewellers I'd helped to find, like, a hallmark, had mailed me a box of chocolates. Oh, that's sweet. It was tasty. Well, Good. I only had one so far, but... What sort of chocolate are we talking here? It was like, you know, those ones that are like round and they have like different cocktail flavours. So like porn star martini or... Okay. Dark and are they actually boozy? Yeah, they've got like a little bit of booze and... Tiny, tiny. Tiny amount of booze. I've been set a challenge by uh, my girlfriend's dad to list my 100 like best albums. And it's wow, a hundred. Like, it's probably been the highlight of my my year, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> um, I was literally just talking to my friend Paul about his top ten albums. Well, yeah. both of our top ten albums. We've got a couple that overlap, but is this in order or is it just? Uh, at the moment, I'm just getting like the hundred, and then I'm gonna start putting them in order. But it's great because I've just been going through like my like entire musical journey since my, like from my like teens i just found so many great albums that i'd kind of like forgotten about but that are just brilliant albums though yeah, yeah there are some from like my wayward emo days 
that I was talking to Paul about in this circumstance because it's like is this my top 10 albums now or is this my top 10 albums of all time so for you it's easier because 100 is like all time but if I would like put on there like I don't know Toxicity by System of a Down which I don't ever listen to now but back when I was like 17 it was constant replay <laughs> yeah that's the thing it's like it, i guess you're just picking new like albums that have been a massive part of your life and that i just really get albums i just don't think they've been very i've got quite a few, i've got a couple of like modern albums on there but most of the stuff is from like the 90s mm. i just don't think people make good albums anymore <laughs> even like bands well. that i love like all the all the albums like from bands that i love they're all they're, they're early albums like there's nothing Hmm. Um, I think there's like some albums that are tune after tune after tune. Hmm. Like you cannot dispute every single song on certain albums. So my favorite album is Eleven Eleven by Regina Spector, and I've got yeah, one yeah. of the songs names tattooed on my foot. Um, and every single song on there is just gorgeous, beautiful, amazing. Yeah. And um, it's also not on Spotify, which is. The most annoying thing. I've noticed loads of like really good albums have been taken down like recently. Like, but this wasn't recent. This has never been on Spotify. Oh, I don't really? know whether it's like because it's like this weird experimental album. I don't know whether like some sort of rights issue. I don't know, but it's just not on there. They've taken down like the Ascension by Otep, and I looked that up, and then she was like, "Oh, so it sounds like basically it wasn't her that like requested it taken down. Like Spotify have just taken it down, which seems really weird." Maybe it's to do with her like old label or something. I'm not sure. But, but yeah, the rare like the perfect album is a rare thing. But there's a few out there. I think Nevermind, um, Pretty Hate Machine by Nine Inch Nails, as I think I've already said on this podcast, is a perfect album. Also, The Fragile by Nine Inch Nails is a perfect album. OK Computer. Tied to the record by Fil- Filter. It's a Rumours by Fleetwood Mac. I don't know, there's filler on that, I think. Oh, well, all killer, no filler. That is a tune to tune <laughs> album, Subway One. You can't that dispute is. that. And then you've got to choose, choose the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I mean, is it Californication or is it like, by the way? For me, it's by the way, but I don't know. Like, some people will dispute that. Yeah. Fornication. That's not my. That's not my hundred though. It's definitely not there. I'm not a massive fan of Heritage Chief Peppers though. Anyway, we're going off on a tangent here. Yeah, sorry. I'm just texting my upstairs neighbour to be like, <laughs> by the way, I'm recording a podcast. Okay. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, albums. No, what do we for that? Good stuff. That was it. <laughs> your good thing is your list of a hundred albums, which I hope you're gonna post. Everywhere. We'll, we'll post a top 10 on Twitter <laughs> once you've done it. Yeah, I will do. Yeah, yeah. yeah Twitter we'll make a Spotify playlist. and and With all the what? albums. Yeah, no, just like idea. one song per album. Not all the albums. That'd be but ridiculous. The, but the point is, like, the whole album has to be there because it's That's true. perfect it's album. A work of, like, like yeah. a, f- a kind of formulaic mm-hmm. thing. That's what I like about 1111. It's a... Uh... Really good dinosaur pile-up song called Eleven Eleven. It's yeah. got a great riff. Great I'll look riff. it up. Awesome riff. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about history instead of music? <laughs> well, we could yeah. just still talk about music for this <laughs> whole episode. Let's do it. Okay. 
I don't think I've ever heard this, of this person before. So uh, this is uh, hopefully a bit of a reveal. Um, have you heard of General Mario Roatta? No. So he was a high-ranking Italian general. Like basically, I got over that book about like um, Italy's like war. And he seemed like basically the the best person to talk about that would just kind of like take you through their entire journey. Yeah. He was kind of like like the chief of staff and then he was like he played like a massive part in um the Italian uh occupation of uh of like Yugoslavia, which is like and it's just a quite a crazy story really. So I thought to kind of have a look at Italy's part in the war we could uh, go through yeah, because I take, don't know... Take Mario Riata's journey through... Yeah, I don't really Mario. know much about the Italian side of the war. What I know is, like, I know the bit with Hitler in, and then, like, the end bit. So, like, the gruesome bit. And then I know the bit, like, after the war to do with, like, the Vatican and stuff. But I'm yeah. guessing, if this is an Italian general during the war, he's probably not alive for much of... After the war. Wow. It's just my guess, would, but we'll you see. You would think, wouldn't you? But, wow. <laughs> we'll see. We will uh, see. Let's go. Okay, so he was born on 2nd of February, 1887 in Modena. Modena? Modena? I Medina? think Medina, right? Okay. Well, there, anyway. <laughs> uh, so his father was a captain in the Royal Italian Army, so he came from a military family. Um, his early ca- career seems to have been pretty unremarkable, really. He served... As a staff officer during World War One, so he didn't really see any action, just kind of like pushing them pens <clears throat> before becoming military attache in Warsaw uh, between 1924 and 1930. Where he, uh, so quite a long stretch there. Uh, so despite this kind of, uh, yeah, pretty unremarkable beginning, he was considered an intelligent and gifted officer. As such, he was chosen to head up the Italian military uh, intelligence service or the servicio informat hang on informa- I did try I managed to pronounce this earlier so I was going to say it'd be really impressive but now I fucked it up um, informazoni uh, I'm not going to bother Italian intelligence service uh, kind of known as the SIM which is what right. I refer to it going let's forward. just do that yeah <laughs> informazioni militari there you go um so he doesn't seem to have taken too long settling into his position. So he, he joined this, uh, he, he had it up in 1934. Didn't take too long settling into this new position because uh, he was likely involved in the assassination of King Alexander of Yugoslavia in October 1934. So just straight away, a couple of months away. into the job, kill the king of Yugoslavia. Wow, that's insane. Hit the ground running, you know. What was he doing before this? Uh, he was uh, he was a military attaché in Warsaw. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so basically, Italy wanted what is now Monday Slovenia and Croatia. So the Italians uh, believed they'd been cheated out of this area, um, which they'd been promised uh, in the secret treaty of London in 1915 as part of the uh, the deal to get them to join in on the Allied side in World War One. Yeah. Uh, however, their poor performance during the war meant that, that was they were left out. That was a uh, they weren't granted what they thought they they'd been promised in. I love the, the, the Paris Peace just... France, uh, conference. 
I love the way you describe that as poor performance. <laughs> like, mm, like but, you know, you've got like KPIs at work. <laughs> Didn't hit the KPIs. But that was a. Uh... No, I think that was basically how how the others described it. <laughs> They're pretty poor guys, so don't think we should yeah. give them that territory. Uh, so yeah, this became what is known uh, to well, was known in Italy as the mutilated piece, which has an Italian name, which I'm not going to try and pronounce because I already screwed up one attempt at pronunciation. <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. Um, so, to protect against Italian machinations, King Alexander had signed a treaty of alliance with France in 1927. Um, so, after that, France became Yugoslavia's principal ally. Quite a powerful ally. So, this pissed off Benito Mussolini. Pissed him right off. He wanted a pliant Yugoslavia that would slot nicely into the Italian sphere of influence, and so Alexander had to go. He had to. He had to go. It was the only answer. So, <laughs> following the assassination, Roata would be shallowed by, uh, shadowed by the French intelligence service wherever he went. Wherever he went? Wherever he went. Like to the loot? Well, not for, for that much longer because France would disappear. But until <laughs> France disappeared, for wherever he went. Uh, so he kind of got a taste for the clandestine assassinations. Uh, so he planned to do the same to uh, Haile Selassie of Abyssinia, but was prevented from doing so by Mussolini. Not really sure why, because Italy also had designs on on Abyssinia as well. Um, only... Can I ask you a stupid question? Yeah. Where's Abyssinia? It is now Ethiopia. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it, was, it was the only independent state in Africa at the time. Right, okay. And, uh, wow, the only one at the time. The only one, yeah. And I mean, that. I don't know why that surprises me. Yeah, it's pretty good, really. isn't it? Really, but like, carved, still. Carved up completely. Yeah, the struggle for Africa, as we would call it in yeah. year two BA history. Scramble. We used to call it the struggle for Africa. Really? I yeah, oh. I think so. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think so. Uh, so yeah not content with destabilizing the Balkans and Africa Italy's next escapade would be in Spain and Roata would be at the forefront of that so on 17th of July 1936 an alliance of Spanish ultra conservative army officers and phalangist fascists led by General Francisco Franco would rebel against a democratically elected coalition of liberals Socialists and communists that made up Spain's government. Mussolini was keen to have a fellow traveller in charge of the neighbouring Mediterranean country, and so he sent Roata as head of the SIM to scope out the situation. Nice, Roata wasn't, scoped out. wasn't impressed by what he saw. He noted that there were gaps in the nationalist defensive lines and poor coordination between the fronts, and he felt they needed to take the initiative and take the and take offensive operations if they were to win the war, but would not be inclined to do so by just advice alone. They would need an adequate, in his words, an adequate material support. So convinced by Roata, Mussolini turned Italy's war machine to the support of Franco's rebellion. Uh-oh. And Roata would secure himself a new job as the first commander of Italy's CTV, or Corpo Truppo Voluntari. Or the Volunteer Corps. Okay. 
So why was it known as a volunteer corps? Well, an international agreement had prohibited outside support in what was considered an, a Spanish internal affair. So while Britain ensured the democracies didn't interfere for the government, the fascist nations played lip service and uh, no one interfered when they started chipping out their forces to help Franco. So that really worked, didn't it? Totally worked. At the same like France had like... um their own kind of like popular front government government um, who really did want to help the Spanish, but they were like basically prevented uh, from doing so by the British. So that really sucks. Sucks. Until like yeah. right at the end of the war. Um, so the only people, the only like country did that did help the Republicans in Spain were they uh, was Russia, which really cocked up the entire thing. Cause basically they just, supplied the communists to try and take over the popular front government which led to later infighting the communists end up killing all of their like partners and then losing the war so well done so that worked um <clears throat> anyway, <Italy's laughs> anyway. Force, anyway despite being called a volunteer force Italy's force was clearly not a volunteer force they wore italian uniforms with italian insignia carrying an italian flag they were military units of the Italian army receiving military pay supported by an Italian air force commanded by an Italian general. So, so they, it was volunteers. the army. Yeah. yeah far, far call, cry. Did he call it volunteers because they weren't allowed to have Yeah, army? exactly. Yeah. So they were just hiding it. It's I mean, far... it's the same as what they did in Germany. Yeah. It's exactly, pretty much exactly the same thing, except Hitler didn't hide it very well. No. Yeah, the Condor Legion. Yeah, and there it was, was only really an air force, so rather than that, the Luftwaffe is the, yeah. the air force. Like but no, he just forces. he just was like, yeah, we're gonna I'll make this like brown coats, and then eventually he was like, you know what, I'm just gonna have an army. <laughs> but yeah, it was a far cry from the genuine volunteer, like it, the international brigades that supported the Spanish government. They were actually volunteers, but mm. Italians, not so much. Uh... Oh, the problem for Italy, Italy was basically their their war machine was pretty clapped out. The Ethiopian adventure had already rinsed the uh, the army and country coffers, um, and Spain would basically become come very close to bankrupting the entire like Italian nation. To make matters worse, the CTV's uh, performance in the early stages of the war was so poor, losing the uh, Battle of Guadalajara that. Um, Franco relegated them to less important areas of the front. It took Mussolini threatening to withdraw support entirely to get the Italians back in, uh, into the action. So let's take a moment to realise that Mussolini demanded that his men die to satisfy his ego. That is... <sighs> he, I mean, he, I, I, I don't know much about Mussolini, but, but everything that I know about him is... I just think he's a psychopath. He's a massive narcissist. Yeah, like not yeah, no, definitely nar- a narcissist. narcissist. Yeah, 100%. Like, I'm reading like a book about like his like a uh, relationship with Hitler and it's the one of the weirdest books. I I've need that read. book. You need to yeah, give it to me after. It's so finish. interesting. It's on Kindle so I can do the Kindle swap thing. Oh, okay. Let's do it. But yeah, it's I there's so many like surprising things like he's like a, clearly a massive narcissist. But the other really weird thing is just Hitler's really enamoured, like, with him. Yeah, no, he it was. That is why he wanted Italy, like... Because remember, like, when when did Mussolini come into power? Like, the 20s? Yeah, so 20s, Hitler was nothing. Yeah. 
So he he was like already looking up to him, and you know to have him on his side, Hitler loved it. Like yeah, it's full on like hero worship. But I mean, like someone who's so sociopathic, you just didn't would like wouldn't think they'd be capable of being enamoured by like someone. But he, to- he clearly just totally is. It's just really weird. Anyway, so the CTV's uh. Performance would improve uh, in Spain, but not until Roata was sacked and replaced by Torre Bastico. Italians have such cool names. <laughs> That's got to be said. Uh, so, after Spain, Roata's next assignment was a military attaché in Berlin. So let's stick in those attaché-like positions. Uh, post, he served from October 1939. At the same time, he was made deputy chief staff of the Italian army, where he tried to keep up with German erratic war planning because he would be the one. So, Rata's next assignment was military attaché in Berlin. So, just the perennial attaché, really. Uh, a post he served from October 1939. At the same time, he was made deputy chief of staff of the Italian army, uh, which kind of so, made sense since he, they, their, uh, their operations would have to kind of match German operations. So was this because of the war that had just started that he went to Berlin, or is it just essentially? Yeah, because at okay. some point it was expected the Italians would join the Germans. So he yeah, of course. So in this in this role, he tried to keep up with Ger- like with Germany's erratic war planning. Yeah. So yeah. Um, unfortunately, Germany was not interested in sharing their plans with Italy. Not yet, <laughs> or pretty uh, much ever or actually. Ever, yeah. <laughs> Mainly because they thought. Italy was an intelligence liability, the same intelligence service that Roatta had headed up. Um, but also because of their poor performance in Spain, um, they started f- uh, to feel the contempt that would only grow throughout the war. Um, it's weird that those two were like allied, really. Like, a, like ultra-nationalist kind of countries can't really ally with other countries because they all they feel is contempt for any country that isn't their own Hmm. um so something that roata and elements of the german high command agreed on was the need for a short war germany didn't have the resources to fight a lengthy war and italy even less so um in fact, following Abyssinia and Spain, Italy didn't have the raw materials to fight any war at all. Uh, in August 1939, Roata met Admiral Canaris, head of the Abwehr, the German intelligence service, where the Admiral stated that many in the German high command feared Germany would lose the war in the West, as she had done in the last war. He asked Roata to ensure Mussolini did not make common cause of the Third Reich, as he believed Hitler could yet be dissuaded from the path of war. Uh, really? <laughs> he thought well, that? <laughs> he was, uh, naive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Has he met Hitler? Well, probably not, actually. <laughs> so, not surprisingly, Italy was caught surpri- uh, by surprise by Germany's declaration of war on Poland. <clears throat> uh, a report wrote, uh, in a report uh, sent to Mussolini, Roata had stated that while infrastructure projects needed to support a large-scale operation uh, to recover lands lost at Versailles were visible in the country, Germany had failed to secure her western border. Meaning, like, there's no way they'd attack. That would be crazy, because the French would just attack them Mad. and everything would collapse. Well, you'd think that would happen, wouldn't you? But apparently 
not because it's more fun to just like sit on the border and wait apparently <laughs> anyway moving on um he also believed that poland would not come as quickly um as german plans suggested having been military attaché there he had a lot of faith in the in the polish military um but yeah, but they, they collapsed in a matter of weeks and the victory sucked the Italians in. Um, despite this, Roata didn't believe there was anything to be learned from the Germans, believing the Brit- but Blitzkrieg was no different to Italy's theory of Guerra di Rapido Corso. Um, but even if this were true, at least Germany had some hardware to achieve this, while Italy didn't. They just had marching troops. Yeah, um, volunteers. <laughs> <laughs> Rata also knew about Italy's material problems. He reported these to Mussolini. Um, he said that Italy was in a circle it could not square. Uh, for the moment, the Italian army was not strong enough to fight a defensive war inside the country, let alone an offensive war outside of it. Still, Rata was instructed to study um, offensive plans across the upper and lower French Alps. Well... Italy's invasion of France was an unmitigated disaster. Oh. <laughs> it quickly turned into a massacre for the Italians. So they were kind of a, uh, the attack was spearheaded by the Alpini, who were really good soldiers. They were like they were Italy's like cracked like divisions. However, they lacked the heavy artillery needed to smash for, uh, French mountain fortifications. <laughs> The Air Force was meant to make up for this, uh, but it was poorly trained. And instead of bombing the French forts, they bombed their own troops. Oh, wow. Good times. Yeah. (laughs) So the Italian troops were just cut down on the narrow, rocky mountain passes. Uh, While they had hoped to capture the city of Nice, lovely city. Why wouldn't you want to capture it? I want it. Can I have it? (laughs) The best they could manage was a small village called Monte Genève, uh, which is now a ski resort. Oh, so what, the whole town? Captured, <laughs> captured a little ski resort. Oh, um, well, this should right on there. the border, like just like a couple of kilometres in. Should have just there. stopped there and gone skiing. <laughs> and then just been like, well, silly, let's all just ski. Despite the failure, Roata remained in his position as Deputy Chief of Staff and Primary Planner of Italy's military operations. Next on the list was Yugoslavia. However, oh, Hitler no. wanted the Italians to steer clear of Yugoslavia. They now had a pro-Axis king, and so Italian territorial designs could not be allowed to threaten Germany's southern front while, it's pla- while it planned its invasion of the Soviet Union. Unfortunately, I... Rata couldn't afford to risk that. Mussolini was known for his impetuous decisions and could just decide to invade a country on a whim. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, he was very much a child with ADHD. Um, <laughs> thankfully, he also had Greece in his sights, so they could just very easily switch his attention to that. And there was also Africa, too. They decided that they wanted to invade Egypt. So they basically had three operations on their list. Yugoslavia. So Egypt, Africa, and Yugoslavia. Yeah, yeah. Attacking okay. the British and Egypt and attacking Great. Greece. They they didn't have the supplies to fight any offensive war outside of their country. They couldn't fight a defensive war. If someone invaded them, they wouldn't be able to fight it. Yet, <clears throat> Italy, for some reason, decided that they wanted to invade three different places. At oh, once. oh, and Russia. They were gonna they were gonna join oh, in on Russia oh, that as well. Too. That's a really easy one, though, isn't it, Russia? <laughs> 
But anyway, but Reza was happy that that Hitler had shot down the whole Yugoslavia thing because now it meant <clears throat> he had one less operation ricocheting around the war ministry corridors. Um, so on the fourteenth of October, nineteen forty, Roata started working on the operational plans to invade the whole of Greece. Ostensibly, this was to deny British the use of Greek naval bases, but in actuality, the British had been given no access at all. <clears throat> the Greek leader, Metaxas, had done a very good job of staying uh, on the good side, or tried his very best to stay on the good side of his fellow dictator uh, on the other side of the Aegean Sea, but Mussolini had his heart set on invading Greece. Like, Metaxas, like the guy who led Greece at the time, was like a dictator he was like a fascist dictator yeah i mean they were everywhere at this time yeah (laughs) so everyone had one (laughs) we were the only ones we 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 did not have one (laughs) i guess america (laughs) you would have thought that he would have just joined the alliance but no italy wanted greece for some reason the thing is like none of these like occupations really worked out for the italians they were just really expensive so they were just took they just they just spend more money that it didn't have, like on occupying these places, but we'll get on that later. Um, so yeah, it was all about ego, really. Um, so, the uh, Italian invasion of Greece started two weeks after Roata started planning. So, like, two weeks planning. We're going we're gonna to occupy the whole of Greece. You've got two weeks to figure that out. <clears throat> the invasion, I don't know how they managed this, was even more of a disaster than the invasion of France. The attack quickly faltered in the mountains between Albania, Italy's godly, and, and Greece, and a Greek counterattack in the winter pushed the Italians back into Albania. The Italians poured men into the area, but they didn't have the means or infrastructure to support them. Many just became casualties due to frostbite, units starved or ran out of ammunition, and at one point it would look like they'd lose the whole of Albania to the Greeks. They had like they had like hundreds of thousands of troops in Albania and they were just getting like mullered. This was embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) This was pretty embarrassing. The Italian, Italy was supposed to be a modern military power, unlike Greece, and yet they were losing the war. Fearing the imminent arrival of the British in Greece and not wanting this irritant in their side when they invaded the Soviet Union, um, the Germans decided that they had to move. (laughs) Also, the pro-Axis Prince Regent Paul uh, of Yugoslavia had been deposed by the Serbian officer corps and the country had joined the Allies. So this sealed the fate for the uh, for the region. Now Roas's plan against Yugoslavia could finally be put into action, though much have reduced in scale and scope, owing to the ongoing difficulties in Greece. Um, however, the operations from Albania into Yugoslavia were largely successful. So finally success. Well done Italy, you've you've had a success. Um, one however the defeat of Yugoslavia was mainly down to the Germans Greece was also crushed by the German in 24 days something that Italy had still failed to do in over 5 months 24 days I did not know know, that yeah it's just mad wow crazy and the Greeks are usually pretty good at stuff yeah (laughs) I mean like they're like I mean like they started western civilization yeah (laughs) They literally invented <laughs> philosophy which and academia. <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't necessarily help. Is the pen mightier than the sword? 
Apparently yeah. not. So, contempt for the Italian military amongst uh, the Germans was now at an all-time high. Still, Israel was given a substantial area of occupation in Yugoslavia, covering most of its World War I claims, including Slovenia and Dalmatia. Dalmatia? Where's that? <clears throat> yeah, uh, it's like the coastal area in um, Croatia. Oh, okay. It's really Is it really beautiful. like white and black spots? Like a Dalmatian. Um, it is, yeah. Just a giant. <laughs> just sitting on a massive Dalmatian back. Sounds great. <laughs> um, it was also given most of Greece, minus the areas around Athens. And in... I don't know if this is like as a reward. But in January 1942, <laughs> Rata became commander of the Italian Second Army, becoming the man in charge of the Italian occupation of Yugoslavia. Right. It gets grim now. Uh, now it gets already. grim. <laughs> so, Riata has inherited quite a predicament, if you will, in uh, in Yugoslavia. The independent state of Croatia had been created as a satellite state of Nazi Germany, led by the fascistic and virulently anti-Semitic Ante Pevelic, whose Ustase organisation hunted, tortured and killed Serbs, Jews, Romani and anti-fascists. Oh, God. Pavlic had been allowed asylum in Italy, Mussolini believing that he could be used as a stepping stone to um, seizing Croatia for himself. However, now that um, Pavlic had Hitler's protection, that seemed unlikely. So the Italians generally were not fans of the Ustase. Um, there are Italian reports of the Ustasi giving their victims the same, basically the same treatment described in Roman depictions of like Boudicca's revolution. If you remember that, so the cutting, cutting off women's breasts and sewing them to their mouths. So you, this is like this is the forties, and that was probably made up, and also in <laughs> ancient times. So... I love that. That was a long time ago, and <laughs> probably also a myth. Yeah. So it's very um, candide, isn't it? Like <laughs> uh, there's also apparently widespread torture of children. Oh. Yeah, this quite... I believe, though. Like, this is yeah, nothing just to what was actually Yeah, despite all this hand-wringing, uh, attacks on Italian forces by Tito's partisans led Roata to enact his own brutal policies uh, on the Slovene population in his occupation zone. So this was so bad that historians believe under uh, Mario Rata's command, Italy's violence against the Slovene po- uh, civil population matched that of the Germans. So despite some of the... Well, we'll get on to, like, Italy's, like, memory of the war and also, like, wider, like, memory of, like, Italy's part in the war, like, a little bit later. Like, they're kind of, like, seen as, like, a useful kind of idiot, but there was... A lot of grimness to, like, what Italy did. I mean, right. So this is a good example of Iberias' policy. So, in a meeting with Mussolini, he vowed to struggle to the bitter end in regards to the partisans. He ordered executions, hostage-taking, reprisal, killings. He also ordered the burning of entire villages. In Yugoslavia? Yeah, in Yugoslavia. Yeah. Um... Many thousands were interred in the Rab and Gonar's concentration camps where many died due to the atrocious conditions. 
According to historians James Walston and Carlo Spartaco uh, Capageco, uh, the annual mortality rate in Raab concentration camp was higher than the average mortality rate in the Nazi concentration camp Buchenwald, which was at least 15%, so 18% uh-huh. in Raab, like higher. Uh, so on the 1st of March 1942, Roata issued the circular... 3C um, order. So this was essentially a manifesto for repression in the Yugoslav territories. It stated, if any male was found near an area where military action was taking place, they were to be shot out of hand, regardless of what they were doing there. Just near. If you're just near where there was military stuff going on, just killed. If a family was living in an area of military action and was missing any male members of their family aged between 16 and 60, they were to be deported and interned in concentration camps. What? Oh, is... but that... Why? Just, that was it. That was his answer, apparently, to <sighs> anything going on. Other suspicious groups uh, were to be identified uh, and taken hostage and kept in custody. When attacks were carried out against Italian troops the per- and the perpetrators weren't identified within 48 hours, the hostages were to be executed. Uh, if there was sabotage of railway lines, roads, telephone lines or military depots, any lines of communication basically, residents just living anywhere nearby were to be automatically implicated if information that led to arrest wasn't forthcoming within 48 hours. They would be interned their cattle confiscated and their houses burnt to the ground. There's a lot of cattle around. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, this guy, like, what is wrong with this guy? It's just like, a fucking crazy bastard. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I mean, obviously it, there's more crazy bastards around but like at this time, but war does strange things to people. But the thing is, like, they put, like... They're talking about like how they he borrowed like lots of like um policy ideas of the Germans. But the thing is like this is just all these are the same practices that they practiced in Libya, in Ethiopia, and Abyssinia. These were their colonial practices. But these are the same colonial practices used by basically all colonial powers in their like colonies. Yeah, that's so true. they're just basically taking their like the, the policies they've used like all over the world and just using it in Europe. Yeah, which looks that sounds, which is it's really sad. Like it sounds more shocking because it's being used in Europe and not in the places it was used in. These tactics were used, like used, like used. Yeah, we invented concentration camps. Yeah. Um. So yeah, his order basically urged like a mass internment and scorched earth po- uh, policy, which would be, which was intended to achieve um in inverted commas a debalkanization or ethnic cleansing essentially. Yeah, because what he wanted was living space. His plan was basically to move everyone inland, set up like a border with constant border patrols that would kill anyone attempting to cross. Um, in order to clear this area, it would involve mass internment into the various concentration camps. He wanted to create a new one. Um, the burning houses, confiscation of property should be given to Italians. Um, Rata insisted that Italians must not shy away from using cruelty. It must be 
a complete cleansing. We need to intern all the inhabitants and put Italian families in their place. Those were his words. <sighs> Just by this, Rata did work with some people from the area. So he approved close collaboration with the Chetniks. So the Chetniks were a conservative, royalist Serbian nationalist movement and guerrilla force made up of a number of former army officers from the Royal Yugoslavian Army. So weirdly, essentially they were basically the people that supported the government that existed before the Axis invasion. And although their long-time goals were largely anti-Axis, they ended up collaborating closely with mainly Italians early on, but later the Germans, against the communists, against Tito. The Chernigs also targeted the Muslim pop- population in Bosnia, Herzegovina, and Sa- Sanzac, Sanzac? Yeah. as well as Croats. So basically, against the Croats, that's the Eustace, um, they their terror attacks would usually follow a Nostalzi attacks uh, attack against the Serbs. So they were basically in their own little war against the German supporter to Stase. <laughs> so there's just all this crazy like intercommunal violence. It's just like yeah. flamed by such a large extent by like by the presence of the uh, of the Axis. The Chernigs were waiting for an, an Allied invasion, at which point they planned to turn on the Axis. However, they got their hands on um they got their hands well and truly bloody in the meantime while waiting. Um Several historians regard Chetnik action during this uh, period as constituting genocide. The estimated number of deaths caused by Chetniks in Croatia, Bosnia, um, range from between 50,000 and 68,000. Whoa, that is definitely genocide. It's kind of crazy. They also destroyed about 300 villages and small towns. Just whole towns just burnt to the ground. And a large number of mosques and Catholic churches. Isn't like Catholic churches, apparently. What um, religion <clears throat> were they there? I think. Because um, well, I would sure, have assumed Orthodox, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, Jewish Orthodox or Christian uh, Orthodox. Christian Orthodox, I think. Okay. Um. Uh, in February 1943, Ruata would be replaced by General Mario Robotti. Robotti. Um, <laughs> as commander of the Italian troops in Slovenia. And Roatta would return to his post as chief of staff of the Italian army. Why was this? Was it... I don't know. I don't know. Probably because his work was done. His legacy would live on, though. Robotti continued to enthusiastically implement Roatta's circular 3C plan. Great. So carried on. The bloodbath continued. Yep. So when Roatta returned to the... General stuff. Italy's war was basically it was very nearly over. Italy yeah. had lost in the desert, and by September nineteen forty three, the Allies had landed on Italian home territory in Sicily. The Italian population had turned so decisively against the war that many on the island had cheered the Allies as liberators. The army, seeing the tide had well and truly turned, started to planning started planning to remove Mussolini from power. So he was arrested in September. Uh, Roberto or Mussolini? Uh, Mussolini. Mussolini was arrested. And so, and then, <clears throat> and his rule was replaced by basically like a military junta. 
So now the army had decided what they wanted to do. Continue the war without Mussolini's meddling whims or just surrender to the Allies. And we know what they did. They decided to surrender to the Allies. However... Good decision, Itzy. Things haven't (laughs) been going very well for you. I don't know if you noticed, but we haven't had that many successes. (laughs) The army did actually take quite a lot of time deciding this, and uh, Roatta favoured continuing the war, but only if the Germans could offer ample support. Basically, he feared a massacre of Italian troops if Italy were to switch sides, and a full occupation of the country. Uh, ultimately, obviously, the Italians did surrender, and as a result, the former did happen in many places, and the latter largely became true. So, it was wrong. It was right. He did not join Mussolini um, in the Salo Republic. He stayed on as chief of staff in uh, Badoglio's government initially, but uh, Badoglio was forced to remove him by the request by request of the Allies due to his um, yeah actions in Yugoslavia. The Yugoslavian government wanted him up on charges of war crimes, which is fair. So did he? I want to know. Of course not. Yugoslavia was never successful in securing Roata's extradition. Oh no, that's awful. I really wanted him to stand trial and and face up to his rubbish. I mean, like everywhere, this is true everywhere, but especially in Italy. like Britain and America have been accused of leniency. An attempt to just basically bolster the remnants of the fascist government. So basically to just guarantee an anti-communist post-war Italy. I mean, like the communist like partisans were like really strong at this point. Like could have easily gone like communist. But to prevent prevent that, Britain and America stashed them like ex-fascists back into power. Historian Alessandra Casavan and journalist Roy Carroll have accused the Italian public and media of repressing the collective memory of the atrocities committed during World War II and of historical amnesia, citing the forgiveness of Roatta. That's mad. I wonder, I really wonder, like, I think about this a lot. Not a lot, not just like every day, but um, how they teach this in Italian schools. Because obviously in German schools, it's well known that they teach it how it how it is you know like they don't they're not sugarcoating it yeah obviously here because we were like the quote-unquote victors obviously Mm. there was no victory in war yeah we kind of get this like good you know version of events like everything bad wasn't our fault kind of thing so it'd be interesting to know how italian good guy narrative yeah yeah like well the whole you know, um, heroes and villains version of history, which is yeah. rubbish version of history. Mm. But you know that kind of. I wonder how it's taught in Italian schools. Yeah, I'd I love mean, like, to they know. Basically, they're they're like, I think it's like we weren't as bad as the Germans. We didn't do all this stuff. It was just what the Germans is like. Mm, you did though. <laughs> you did that in Yugoslavia. You like ultimately, you did hand over. The entire Jewish population in all of your occupied areas. Yep. In the end, like, you were complicit in all of that. Um, yeah, it's crazy. But um, so what did happen to Roatta in the end? What did so happen? he was he was kind of like interned for a while. Uh, however, on the fifth of March, nineteen forty-five, Roatta escaped from the 
Virgilio Army Hospital in Rome, where he was being kept by the Allies, and fled to Spain, where he lived under the protection of dictator Francisco Franco, the guy he helped in the Spanish Civil War. Oh, wow. For, uh, for a while. In Italy, he was convicted and sentenced in absentia to life imprisonment plus one year of solitary confinement for, for his crimes. However... His sentence was overturned by the Italian High Court of Appeal in 1948. And so he just lived out his life in Spain, or? Well, in 1964, a number of Roata's works were published, so he became a published and best-selling author in Italy. Like a fiction author? Uh, no, just of his of his experiences during the war. Like Suji, basically, in Japan. Wow. That's... Wow. He returned to Rome in 1966, where he lived comfortably until his death on the 7th of January, 1968. I Madness. hate that. I hate it. Madness. <laughs> oh my gosh. So for those of you that don't know, one of my things is, my, my dissertation is based on um, post-war trials. Um, so war crimes trials, um, like sm- smaller known ones, not like Nuremberg, like small ones. And then... Um, it's actually mad that someone like this got away with it when there were people who were like following the crowd almost. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Who were tried yeah. as war criminals. There are people, there was like one guy in America, this isn't even a joke, who was like in a post office hmm. and he like bumped into someone post war and he was like, oh my God, you're the guy that tortured and killed my brother in a concentration camp. That's not even a Just joke. Like, and then he really? went to he went to the police and was like, "You oh, need to wow. try this guy for war crimes." I don't know if it's literally in the post office, but yeah. he was he literally bumped it. There was like, yeah, That's he didn't crazy. go looking for him. He was just like there. And think about how big America is. Yeah. Wow. So he managed to flee to like the United States and just. Oh, a lot of a lot of. Um... Oh, you mean the German? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was gonna say a lot of Jews um, went to America after oh, the yeah, war, yeah. but. Yeah, I mean... There's lots of... Uh, well, I guess... Uh, people got out however they uh, could, right? Makes sense uh, looking at how the country's going now. <laughs> um, um, so next time we talk, it will be election day, right? Am I right? Yeah, well, we should know. Well, maybe we won't know. It might take a while for them to... I thought them up. was the election day is next Tuesday, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. But sometimes it takes a while for them to get that. Yeah, but they're because they're behind us. Next time we speak, we oh yeah we yeah, 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 yeah we won't know, but it'll be yeah. still be going on. But then the one after that will know. Um, did you know that um there's this law, and I I really wanted to try and remember the name of the law because I want to tell you and the listeners about it. But I cannot remember the name of the law, where if America hasn't decided within two weeks, so basically if like there's some problems or the counting's really slow or whatever within two weeks nancy pelosi becomes president yeah <laughs> <laughs> and um and then that'd was, be cool i'm down with that yeah but then i was listening to a podcast who's saying this and there was a and then the presenter was like so what happens after that how, how do you decide and he was like yeah, there's no actual there's no like law to to say when that stops, like when, how we actually decide. And I was like, that's fine. Let's just keep Nancy. I'm okay with it. I think most people would be okay with it. Yeah, I dig it. 
I dig it. <laughs> um, what are you doing this evening? I am going to watch. I'm going to watch the Bake Off. Obviously. Obviously, who isn't watching Bake Off? <laughs> Who's your favourite? Um, like obviously Viking Girl who likes death metal. Yes, is, Lottie Viking yeah. Girl. She's the best. <laughs> she's uh, she's one of uh, yeah, part of my 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 crowd. Yeah, she's girl crowd. The alternative, grungy subset of humans. <laughs> <laughs> so you and her in this weird Venn diagram together. Yeah. Um, what, are you, what are you up to? What are you eating? Oh, we are eating. Just like some... You know when you have like loads of stuff left over? So you're like, let's yeah. just make like a pasta medley. Very it's, nice. It's like that. Um, but today I had a really delicious lunch. I know everyone wants to hear about my lunch. It was like a salad. And then I had some ravita with some avocado. Because I just got like... Didn't basically let everything out on my desk. Because there's no one hmm. there. It's just me. and And just like... Cut open avocado, cut open a pepper, like made a whole like elaborate salad just all on my desk, like it was my kitchen. <laughs> it was so good, but there's no one there, so I can do what I want. As long as I don't get anything on the books. <laughs> just feeling like dressing all over ancient books. Yeah, I Ray. didn't do that. Thank God. Um. We're having chicken and chips. We're also having uh, leftovers. We made like a roast chicken at the weekend. So we're having that just with chips. Nice. And it's a classic. some sort of like vegetable, I hope. Yeah, we're going to have... What sort of vegetable we decide on? Peas. Green beans. Oh, green, green beans. beans. The, the step up from peas. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Before they become the peas. Yeah, exactly. Eating those uh, pea fetuses. Oh. Gobbling them down. <laughs> um... So, I hope you've enjoyed this episode, everyone. Please, if you have, you can rate it and you can subscribe to us wherever you are listening to this. And follow us on the social media things. Because uh, that's still a thing, right? Social media. For now. Despite how much it's ruining the world. <laughs> anyway, at Have You Ever Pod. Yeah, Instagram and Twitter. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>